Some of these stories contain sensitive content, and as such, viewer discretion is advised. And as always, if you have a true scary story you want to send my way, go to asTheRavenDreams.com slash submit, or check the links down below. And of course, thank you. I still get nervous when I think about this. I do apologize for any grammar errors because I'm writing this on my phone. My boyfriend at the time and I would do light drugs. We would listen to music and go on really long road trips. It was fun and was our kind of thing. We were around 19 years old when this happened. Johnny, my ex suggested going to see the Devil's Tree here in New Jersey. We have this website called WeirdNJ.com, and it has a list of haunted places to go see. We decided on the Devil's Tree as our nighttime destination, so we got everything we needed and headed out for the hour and a half drive to some random town in the middle of nowhere. The ride was fun. We were laughing, singing, smoking... As we got to town, we realized it was super desolate. It looked like a farming area. It was super foggy, and about midnight when we arrived. We got out of the car and examined this eerie tree while reading about the urban legend behind it. The tree was terrifying. The silence was deafening. The tree was huge and had rope hanging on several branches... I started getting nervous because I wasn't familiar with the area, and I felt uneasy. I feel it's important to mention that Johnny was not street smart. He was born into a lot of money, so his mindset was much different than mine. His dad took care of everything for him. I was much more mature and had a lot of struggle and experience in life. So, we got back in the car and decided to find a spot to park so we could make out. I was a complete idiot. We were going to roll one and mess around. We did this often. So, we went and found a dirt road that was desolate and parked. This area was so creepy. I locked all the doors, being the paranoid person I am, and as I was rolling it, we heard someone attempting to open John's door followed by aggressive banging on his window. I literally jumped out of my skin. Uh, put the freaking light on, I screamed to my boyfriend. He did, and cracked his window to see what the guy wanted. This guy was like six foot four, and was dressed in lumberjack attire. What are you doing here? Get out of the car right now. Are you gonna do it? You thought you guys were going to do it on my property? The guy yelled, manically holding John's window. John ignorantly smiled at him and replied, We were looking at the Devil's Street, and we parked here to set up the GPS to get home. I'm sorry, man. I didn't know I was on your property. We'll leave. We aren't getting out of the car. The guy leaned over to take a look at me. I started apologizing profusely. I honestly will never forget how terrified I was. I was hoping John would roll up the window and book it the hell out of there. 
Before we could even pull away, two pickup trucks filled with other lumberjack-type men pulled up. There were four guys sitting in the bed of the truck. I swear to God, it was like a horror movie. One guy from the truck shouted, Do we have a problem? To the big guy that was still standing by John's car, when he said, They were going to do it on my property. What were you going to do with the condom? He asked, leaning in and focusing his attention on me. You realize your boyfriend is digging your grave right now? I was apologizing and being as polite as possible. I started crying my eyes out. I kept saying, we weren't going to do it. We were just trying to get out of here. I felt really uncomfortable. I was scared I was going to be raped and killed here. The guy then says, why are you on my property? Were you going to do it and just leave the condom on my property? I can kill you both and bury you so no one could ever find you. You're so lucky your girlfriend has some sense. Get the hell out of here before I change my mind. I started having a panic attack. John, let's go. I screamed loudly. John hit the gas and we started driving fast down the dirt road. It was pitch black and, as I said, we did not know this area. As we were driving down the road, a lady came out of nowhere John had his headlights on so we could see her. She had a gun and was trying to block us from leaving. I distinctly remember John saying, I'll run her over if I have to. I was looking for a weapon in his car. He worked for his dad's construction company, so he had tools in the car. I grabbed a hammer from the back seat, and John literally drove toward the lady. She was screaming stuff at us, You're not leaving, she screamed. She lunged out of the way as we drove as fast as possible right at her. I remember looking back and seeing headlights from the trucks. John took an abrupt turn, ignoring the GPS that was navigating us back home. We got on the highway as fast as we could. We were filled with nervous adrenaline. I said to John, We almost died. You cannot be an ignorant jerk to people like that. You made it worse. And John was just like, screw those guys, we're fine. When John was scared, he would smile and laugh, so I knew that he was just as scared as I was. That's why the lumberjack was getting more mad because of John's attitude and responses. We drove back, scared and relieved to be away from them, That guy made me feel so uncomfortable asking weird sexual questions and looking at me like he wanted to eat me. It must have been a family that lived on the property because the trucks pulled up so fast. We never went near that area again, and we stopped going to weird New Jersey places. I still get chills thinking about it. was nine years old and staying at a friend's apartment. Let's call her Chloe for a few days. We spent most of the first day playing Minecraft. This was around the time when Minecraft was new and growing quickly in popularity. However, on the second day, I noticed that she had a red Furby boom. 
Mind you, Furby's made a brief comeback around then as well. And like most nine-year-old girls at the time, I thought they were the coolest thing ever. Chloe agreed to show me how it worked, and the two of us plus her younger sister toyed around with it for a few minutes before her sister accidentally dropped it on the couch. Normally, it's not a big deal when a Furby is dropped, especially when it's from a foot onto a couch cushion, but for some reason, the thing went haywire and turned to evil. Furbies do change moods, and evil is the one they go from a funny robot critter to diabolical trash gumlins with fire for eyes. The eyes changed patterns depending on the mood. And that's fine, me and Chloe said. They always go back to normal eventually. Well, long story short, that Furby did not go back to normal. Throughout the day, it terrorized us. Moving positions by itself saying weird stuff that wasn't in a Furby's usual vocabulary. It got to the point that we locked ourselves in the bathroom with Chloe's panicking little sister. Though it would occasionally change moods, it would always go back to evil and stay like that for hours on end. This lasted for the better part of two days, if I remember correctly. Finally, on my second-to-last day at Chloe's house, the two of us sick of this monster and its shenanigans, were in her parents' room with the Furby on the bedside table, discussing how to get rid of the thing. This is when stuff really hit the fan. I was telling Chloe that we should drop it out of her fifth-story window onto the street, let it get run over, and then pour water over it, when I heard something stir on the bedside table. It was that damn Furby. The thing had turned itself on and was now staring at us with those awful little flame eyes. And I kid you not, this little thing looked at me and said in the creepiest, tinny little voice, I knew that. I responded with an incredulous, seriously? The Furby responded, actually freaking responding to my question with, Uh Uh-huh. Chloe asked it whether it was telling the truth, but it just hemmed and hawed. Yet again, something Furbies don't do. Needless to say, we ran out of that room screaming. Chloe later went back into the room, only to run out screeching again. According to her, she tried to say bye to the Furby, only for it to bend over, hit her with its ear, and say... Me happy I hurt her. I can't attest to whether that's true or not. After our little conversation, I wanted nothing to do with the Furby or that room. However, I can confirm the next morning that the Furby's batteries were dead. We asked Chloe's dad to replace them, but even with new batteries, the toy wouldn't turn on. Years later... I still don't know what the hell was wrong with that Furby or how it responded to our speech. They respond to touch stimuli, but not sound, so there's no explanation I can come up with. I have considered the possibility of a folie adieu, but given how rare those are, I seriously doubt it. 
maybe my initial theory of the Furby being possessed by the devil it was right after all. There's no way to prove the cause of my bizarre experience. Trigger warning. Mentions mental illness and suicide. Also, kind of a long story. Sorry. I'll start by saying that I don't personally believe that the experiences I'm about to describe have any explanation beyond childhood brain development and stress. But, for those of you who believe, here are two unrelated experiences. Between the ages of five and six, me and my twin brother used to have the exact same dreams on occasion. Growing up, we would try to explain it away as having similar experiences or having discussed the dreams with each other, but who knows. Around the same age, we would frequently experience auditory hallucinations of our mother or father calling for us. This seems to be pretty common among young children, just reading through this sub, but is the explanation child brain development, or that something, has a reason to talk to young children? Perhaps something that only children will listen to. Much later, around the age of 19 and 20, I had this girlfriend. Nothing weird until we started living together for about a year. She was a sleep talker, and would sometimes sleep with her eyes open. So, that was kinda creepy. Sometimes, especially since some of the stuff would be muttering about death and morbid things. She would sometimes have conversations with someone in her sleep, which wouldn't have been creepy if they were like conversations with her mom or dad. But no, it was almost always something you could tell involved the other party threatening her, or someone trying to kill themselves and her trying to dissuade them. Sometimes, she would even talk to me in her sleep. And, on a few times that I got chills because it was as if I was talking to someone else. She would also half wake up and point out hallucinations on the wall or ceiling, and would sometimes see things and have very vivid hallucinations even when awake. Yeah, it was a fun time. She was very much an I-want-to-believe kind of person, and at this time, was going through some mental illness stemming from an abusive childhood, so I would always take it with a grain of salt. But, there were a few unnerving coincidences here. This person came from a culture where astrology was very important, and at birth, An astrologist's reading indicated that she would be susceptible as a vessel for spirits and such. Her friend did tell me a story about how they stayed at a hotel in LA that was supposed to be haunted due to the unusually high rate of deaths among its guests. There might have been a serial killer too, but I don't remember. Anyway, in the middle of the night, she sat up, pointed at a spot in the middle of the room, and yelled, Demon! In my experience, that part was just a normal night. 
what made this a bit creepy was that everyone had nightmares that night and had little scratches that they thought they couldn't explain. Later on, I think that she started to get to me a little bit. The relationship had started to break down, and I had a lot of stress from work and school. But when she said that she could hear whispers, sometimes I could hear them too. Or I would see the figures that she would point out in the dark. I started to have auditory hallucinations like those of my childhood, too, but it would be her voice. I've read about similar stuff happening to couples with deteriorating relationships. They have the other person on their mind a lot, and sometimes hear their names, especially their pet name, called from another room. But I've also read myths from different cultures about mimics, bogeymen, and the like that are drawn to vulnerable people and negative situations. So, who knows? And, while writing this, I swear I heard my flatmate and his girlfriend in the room next door, but they aren't there. The place's walls are pretty thin, so it could have been the neighbors, but still, I'm gonna leave this empty apartment and find some other humans to go be around. some backstory. This happened to me about three years ago. I was a few months pregnant at the time. My belly was visible and noticeable in fitted shirts, but in flowy shirts you couldn't tell. This is relevance to the story. I had taken my car into the dealership to have a recall fixed, and the dealership gave me a rental vehicle. In order to not be charged an extra fee, I needed to bring the vehicle back with the full tank of gas. So, I had stopped at the gas station that is directly across the street from the dealership to fill up. I parked at the furthest pump because it was the closest to the exit that would lead to the dealership. I was the only person filling up on that side of the station. I was standing next to the car and pump waiting for the tank to fill when a man in a large truck drove up to the opposite side of the pump. He pulled up far enough that his truck was blocking all the other people on the other side of the gas station, but not far enough that he would be able to pump his gas. He rolled down the window and asked me where a store was. I can't remember which store. I pointed in the direction and told him which way to go. He continued saying, I'm not from around here. Can you show me on a map? And held up his phone. At this point, I had started to feel that something was not right. Why would he need to ask for directions if he had a smartphone with GPS? Why couldn't he just look it up? So I continued telling him the direction he needed to be heading and where to turn. At this point, he almost got a little agitation or annoyance in his tone. He said to me, No, come over here to my car and show me. I said something like, No need, it's just down the street. He told me again to come over to his car, and again I declined. He then said, Come over here now or I'll come over there. When he said this, 
I could hear the aggression in his tone. I got scared and instinctively grabbed my belly and just said no. He then realized that I was pregnant and suddenly sped off. I don't know what his intentions were, but I do feel in my gut that it was something bad. I think the fact that I was pregnant saved me from whatever he had planned. I still, to this day, get nervous when I have to get gas, and I always make sure to be near others. This happened about an hour ago, and I'm 99% sure that the reason it didn't go any further than it did is because of the amount of time I've spent on this sub and similar ones. Before, I think I'd have been too polite to do what I did, but I've learned from the post on here to screw politeness. I work as a private carer, so I provide care for customers in their own homes. My job is pretty much going from my car to my customers' homes and back again, so I don't spend a lot of time on the street by myself. My manager is also quite strict about late evening calls and doesn't often let us do them for the exact reason that I'm about to explain. One of my customers lives in a very large block of flats, which is gated from the street. There is a large gate for cars, and a pedestrian gate next to it, which requires a code to gain access. Only residents are allowed a key fob for the vehicle gate, so us carers have to park a little way up the street, which I did, and use the coded pedestrian one. The call began at 9pm, and I was finished by 10pm. I left my customer's block and walked towards the gates to get back into my car. As I approached the gates, I noticed a man walking past wearing a beaten up red backpack. He was already past the gate by the time I exited, but he heard the metal gate slam and turned. We locked eyes, and the moment that we did, he quickly changed direction and started heading towards me. Like I said, because of this subreddit, I'm probably a little paranoid, but alarm bells started sounding immediately, and I noped it straight away. I turned back around and quickly punched in the code to the gate, slamming it behind me so that it would lock. I figured if he genuinely lived there, or was visiting somebody, he would know the code as you can't even visit someone without it. As I slammed the gate and turned around, he was right there on the other side of the bars. I smiled politely and asked if he was alright, to which he replied, Yes, as if it was none of my business. I nodded and turned to walk back to my customer's flat when he asked if I was going to let him in. I said, Do you live here? To which he replied, Yes. I said, Well, you'll know the code then. He then started spinning me some long, drawn-out story that I couldn't really follow about 
not having lived there long and forgetting the code. I knew this was Bull, because I'd clearly seen him walk merrily past the gate before seeing me. He would at least know where his flat was, and the way he turned the moment he saw me, it was too suspicious. I gave him a patronizing smile, and said that I was sorry, but I couldn't let him in if he didn't know the code, and that he would just have to call the building manager. He would have had the emergency number if he did, in fact, live there. He muttered something incomprehensible, and turned to walk off the way he was going in the first place. I headed back to my customer's flat, and I called my boyfriend, who, very helpfully, didn't answer the phone. It being late, I didn't want to disturb my customer if I didn't have to, so I figured I would just wait a few minutes and then go back to the gate to see if he was still lurking. If he was, I would have to wait in my customer's home. Fortunately, he was long gone by the time I went back to the gate, but I walked to my car holding my keys between my fingers just in case. My family and I were driving from Ohio to Wyoming one holiday season to visit family about 10 years ago. Due to storms farther north, we traveled straight west instead of northwest at first and split the trip at Omaha, staying the night before heading up through Nebraska and into South Dakota. Once we were far enough north, we turned west onto I-90, At that point, it had been over an hour since we saw anywhere that might have had a public restroom, and we were on state routes, so no rest areas. Those of you who've traveled with a young kid know that's close to their bladder-slash-boredom's limit, and our daughter was begging to stop somewhere to pee. South Dakota was similarly deserted, or even worse, as we headed west. Finally, we reached a desperately needed rest stop, as my at-the-time five-year-old and I both needed to go by then. Just as we pulled in, a truck that had been following us for a while pulled in too. I didn't think too much of it at first, until I started to open my door. My head was turned to the right, where the truck was parked a couple of spots over. My eyes met the driver's, and I just shivered. He was a skinny white guy, straggly gray-brown beard and dark eyes. I could see that he was wearing a dingy, dirty blue plaid shirt. He got out of his 90s brown and cream truck and started rummaging in the bed. I told my husband I didn't want to go into the rest stop alone because of the guy, and the weird feeling I was getting from him. He thought I was being a little silly, but agreed to come in with us. At that point, the next stop was Wall, South Dakota, about a hundred miles away according to the huge billboard that we had passed advertising it. He figured he'd better empty his bladder as well, even though he didn't particularly feel the need. 
I grabbed our daughter and we headed inside, followed by the guy who had finished rummaging at his truck, but wasn't carrying anything when I glanced back. My daughter and I did our business in the women's restroom, and we headed back out to the lobby. As I expected, my husband was already out there since he didn't have a small human to chaperone. The old guy was also standing in the tiny lobby area. He was just standing there and staring at my husband. My husband rushed us back out to our car. As we were buckling in, he locked the doors. Then, he told me that the guy hadn't even gone into the restroom and was just standing in the lobby the whole time. He agreed with me that we might have just had a close call, and he was glad that it hadn't just been me and our daughter there. However, that's not the end of the story. Remember how I mentioned Wall and that it was a hundred miles away? Well, that was a hundred miles of pretty empty landscape, but a decent number of turnoffs from the interstate. We didn't see the truck following us and thought the whole episode was behind us. Except when we stopped in Wall to grab some lunch and some road snacks plus look around this homey but fun little tourist trap in the middle of nowhere, we saw the guy in the store not even 20 feet from us. Same face, beard, dirty plaid shirt. Thankfully, we'd already eaten, so since he was staring at us again, we quickly paid for our snacks and trinkets and we got the heck out of there. Thankfully, we didn't see him again, but... I was seriously creeped out until we reached our relatives in Wyoming safely, with no other sight of that truck. I know that this is going to sound like bull, but this story actually happened to my cousin and I in the summer of 2018. My cousin and I live pretty close to each other in the suburbs of Detroit. We both love photography and taking long drives, listening to music, so that's exactly what we did on this particular day. We drove for about an hour north to a small town, and we found an abandoned barn that was also for sale. At the time, we didn't spot any no trespassing signs, so we decided to be adventurous and go check it out. Big mistake. The barn was in semi-decent condition, although the paint had begun to peel off. Structurally, it was pretty sound though, so I didn't feel uneasy about going in. I'm an avid urban explorer in Detroit, and we had been in far worse buildings. Once we got inside, we somehow ended up in the basement of this barn. I immediately was getting some weird vibes. There were little girls' clothes, toys, and furniture littered through the basement of this barn. I thought it was creepy as hell, and so did my cousin. Before I continue, behind the barn was a pretty decent-sized cornfield. The cornfield backed up right to the barn, so we decided to be 
artsy and take a few picks in the corn stalks. I snap a few shots of my cousin, and we decide it's time to head back to the car. Walking through the first row of corn on my way back to my cousin's car, I see a vertebrae in the dirt. At this point, I stop dead in my tracks in disbelief. Like, is this what I actually think it is? Or is this an animal bone of some kind? I start looking around, and there were several more. They were too big to be a deer. I yell for my cousin, who was almost back to the car, and have her take a look. We both start really examining the ground, and we keep finding more and more bones. Now, for the record, I've taken a cadaver lab and human anatomy in college, so I'm very familiar with the human body. We found a fibula, a fully intact femur, and that's when I really started to freak the hell out. We decided to call the cops because we knew that this was serious. We wait in the car for a good 15 minutes, totally freaking out until the cops arrived. Once the cops came, and there were two, we all started looking through the corn and nearby trash pile. The cops, I don't think, believed us. And I distinctly remember them saying they thought it was a deer carcass. That was until I found a full rib cage in the trash pile, and then they changed their tune really quick. The cops told us that they would need us to leave, and that they were calling in a full forensics team to come out and start collecting evidence. We left totally shaken up. On the way out, I did see a no trespassing sign, and I'm sure the cops did too, but... If they did, they didn't care. We gave the cops our information, but we never did hear anything from them. I also watched the news pretty closely for the next few weeks, and I didn't see anything. This was one of the most creepy things I have ever experienced. I do have a photo from the barn that I'd be happy to share that doesn't show any remains. I grew up in the Midwest of the U.S. When I was a senior in high school, I was out for a hike at a local trail in the National Forest. This was a good 20 miles from town, way out in the sticks. It's a box canyon, so you start at the rim and hike down into the canyon. It was autumn, and late afternoon when I pulled into the empty parking area. But... There was plenty of light. By the time I got to the bottom of the canyon, the sun was getting pretty low. I was down in the canyon and got that feeling that something wasn't right. I started looking behind me as I walked every few steps. I just couldn't shake this feeling. Finally, on one of those backward glances... I spotted a man peeking out from behind a tree. Not far at all. Maybe a hundred feet. 
It was the weirdest thing to catch a guy watching me. He knew that I'd seen him and stepped out, saying, Sorry, I didn't want to scare you. He was an adult man. I was a scrawny 17-year-old kid. We were on the trail in a public park. There was no reason to hide. I wouldn't have been surprised or alarmed to see another hiker there, unless they were acting like a freaking weirdo. I mumbled something about getting back to my car, and started to head back toward the parking area, just leaving him standing there. As soon as I got out of view, I ran all the way back to the parking area, where there were no cars other than mine, which added to the weirdness. I realize it's entirely likely that he was on foot and possibly lived near the trailhead, as there were houses out there, but it's interesting how you get that sensation that you're being watched, and it often turns out to be true. If you see someone hiking alone, just try not to be such a creep. Okay, so as the title says, I don't know if this was a UFO or not because I was inside when it happened. It was after one of my parents' parties. A whole lot of people were sleeping, except me and my dog. I was trying to go to sleep in my room, but I couldn't. I closed my eyes, thinking I would fall asleep if I did. Next thing I know... My dog is freaking out and wanting to get out of my room as soon as possible. I hear this humming or buzzing surrounding the room, along with these vertical lines of light coming from the window in front of me. So, me and my dog leave that room quickly, and my home speakers were playing music, with the volume getting louder. My parents and their friends just woke up and act like nothing happened at all, I still don't know why this happened. I checked the phones afterwards and Spotify wasn't even opened. It's been like one and a half, maybe two years since then, but I still remember it so well. Nothing like this has ever happened since. I just wanted to share my story, even though it wasn't that crazy. This happened sometime in December. It was already dark outside, and I was waiting for my boyfriend inside of a bank where there weren't too many people standing. It was in this area that wasn't inside where all the people were, just the ATMs. I had just got off the phone with my boyfriend, who was on his way, when I noticed this guy standing at the far side of the little ATM area that I was waiting inside. He kept inching closer and pacing. He started to get an awkward distance that it wasn't too close, but was close enough for me to feel uncomfortable. So, after a minute, he walks up to me and says, Excuse me, I think my life is in danger. Can you call the police? Red flags were raising already, because there's a security guard in the bank. 
It wouldn't he want to talk to the security guard then? Why did he wait so long and act so shady? So, I backed up and shook my head. What do you mean? I can get the security guard. You want me to just go get the security guard? He shook his head and insisted that I call the police. So, I asked him one more time, Are you sure you want the police? How about an ambulance? Let me talk to the security guard. And he goes, No, no, I'm actually homeless. Can I just have five, um, or twenty dollars? I told him I didn't carry any money, and, to be honest, I'm a broke student. He backed off and left the bank. I called a friend on video chat to have someone with me and told him what happened. More people came into the bank, and that same guy came back and watched me. I'm pretty sure he was inching closer again. Part of me thinks that he was going to try to snatch my phone the moment I took it out to call for help, but I don't know. Thankfully, my boyfriend got there, and we left the bank. So, this was a true scary story collection, TSC Volume 10 to be exact. This is, minus the glitch story from Monday, the way to start a November. What do you think? I think so. Hopefully you all enjoyed it. If you did, consider hitting that thumbs up button. If you're new to the channel, consider hitting that subscribe button. If you're not new to the channel, welcome back. Always appreciate a repeat customer. And I would really... Yeah. Did you yawn? <laughs> anyway, um, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a comment down below letting me know your thoughts on this video, the stories, how your day's been, what you're looking forward to this month, what you think I should do as far as stories go, etc. Got a lot of things coming up in the near future. A lot of really good story collections, some that I guarantee you, listeners, will love. So, all that said, I just want to say thank you for listening. I love you. You are important, you are valid, and you are the best you that you could ever be. And you should never let anyone ever tell you otherwise, and you should never, ever... Let your mind lose sight of the fact that you are an amazing person. No one else's opinion matters. Your opinion matters of you. And that's how things should be. Spread love. Love each other. Make the world a better place. All that good jazz. Anyways. I'll see you on the next video, beautiful people. But until then... Sleep well. <laughs>